You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. As a church, we've been working through a journey on everyday Christianity and this aspect and reality that Jesus, uh, being a follower of Jesus, isn't just uh, kind of for church in, in kind of a very controlled environment, but actually everyday Christianity is for everyday life, isn't it? God calls us to be a Christian, not just here. He calls us to be a Christian in our workplace, in our homes, and everything else. And so we're looking at some very practical things. And so the first week we looked at Christianity in the workplace, being a Joseph uh, as an example, working hard, working with excellence, uh, um, walking or doing our work is unto the Lord. Last week, Julian shared about raising our kids and just some great, great practical um exhortation from Deuteronomy about uh, sharing with them in the morning, at dinner, uh, before bed, when you're traveling with them, just some uh, opportunities we have to impress God's word into their hearts. And uh, that it's our responsibility as parents, but also as a church to instruct our kids. And so today, in this, these next few moments, I want to be sharing just on everyday Christianity in our marriages. Okay, and so for those of you who are married, for those of you who will get married in the future, whether you know it or not, um, I hope in some ways this this could be inspiring for us, that God has a plan for marriage. Do you know marriage is God's design, isn't it? Yes? We didn't come up with this idea, believe it or not. It, it, it sounds like a good idea, but it was God's idea. And so even in Genesis 2.18, and this might sound like a bit of a wedding sermon today, but bear with me because I hope it's some practical stuff for us. Um, Genesis 2.18 says, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then even Jesus referred to it saying the two will become one flesh, one flesh. And then further down he said, um, therefore what God has joined together, let man not separate. God joins two hearts together. Just like we've heard this morning with, with Hannah and, um, Giovanni, you know, all of a sudden meeting. You know, there was a, there was a lady in our church in Canada. She was 74, never been married her whole life. And, um, there was an, an older gentleman, and they fell in love, and uh, they got married on Valentine's Day, and uh, they they lived together, um, and for about 10, 15 years, they had just a wonderful marriage. You know, you just never know, at whatever stage of life, God brings someone upon your path. And so, God has this way of, of creating two, bringing two people and creating one unit. And uh, God does this joining together, God does the work Strong, strong love produces strong marriages, which then produces loving and strong families. And uh, it's a blessing for us to be in, uh, in a, to be to be married. But it's also part of God's plan in helping us journey on in life that He brings people upon our path, and even whether people who aren't married, God brings people upon our lives to support us and help us walk in a journey because none of us can walk it alone. Okay, whether it's in the context of marriage or not, we can't do life alone. We need people around us. God hasn't called us to be islands. He he we we, we he put in us a mechanism that says I need to be with other people, and uh, we need the support of one another. I've discovered that a great marriage doesn't just actually happen. Uh, we fall in love. Um, we meet each other, the person of our dreams. You you decide to get married as Hannah and Giovanni. Uh, have done, and I, and I remember even thinking of this with Don and I, you know, we, we just live on love. 
I don't know how many couples have that thought, especially when you're young. We were very young. I was 19. Donna was 18 when we got married. And, uh, and you know, at that age, we just say, we'll just live on love. Who needs money? Well, you know what? Month number three into marriage, we realized money is quite an important thing. Um, as fun as love is, uh, bills need to, need to be paid. And I think our very first argument Donna and I have really properly had was about money uh, and the lack of it and realizing that, okay, love isn't quite enough uh, when we need to pay rent and everything else. Um, and then all of a sudden you have these unexpected habits. You think, where on earth do they come from? When you start living with a person, you realize that, they're, that you see different sides of people. Isn't that true? Um, it's like when you do a mission trip with someone uh, and you spend time with them for a long time, you realize actually you see them in a different light. Uh, and sometimes that can be a good thing and sometimes that can be a, a frustrating thing. And then life gets busy and so on. Suddenly life isn't quite what you envisioned on your wedding day. And you're now dealing with the, the grind of life and the, the, the challenges that are, are there. What then? And sadly, the reality is, in uh, 2012, it was reported that the UK, 42% of marriages will end in divorce. Okay, And surprisingly, even in the church, the statistic is very close. It's a very high percentage. So almost 50% of all marriages in the UK will fail at some point. That's what the statistic would show. And so what does that mean? It means that actually great marriages don't just happen. It doesn't just... You know, you don't just meet each other and fall in love and, wow, the rest is history. You just will walk into the sunset, the birds singing, and you'll just enjoy paradise. You don't realize there's a cliff on the other end of it. You know, you've you got to work. You've got to work at it. There's, there, there, there's challenges. And the great news is, is that in everyday Christianity, God has a plan. He didn't just put us in motion and say, figure it all out. He said, you know, I've got a plan as to what a great marriage should look like. What it is to, to be connected to someone for life. It isn't just for, for holidays. It isn't just for the occasional moment. But what it means actually to journey with someone for life. God has some plans as to how to really build a, a great marriage. And so we're going to read from a very popular scripture, uh, which is Ephesians 5. And it's verses 22 to 33. And uh, I... Sometimes this passage can be misunderstood, and I hope to bring some clarity to it all today as we understand even just how God works this out. So are you ready? Are you ready? Alex, are you ready? Good. Here it is. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, for which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one else has ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Surprisingly, there's a lot written to the husbands. 
in this passage, isn't there? In fact, a disproportional amount in the Bible is written more to the husbands than to the wives. So guys in this room, listen up. It's game time. In fact, I think there's more men in this room, or more women in this room than men. Anyways, guys, the first bit, we're going to talk to you, okay? We are called to do the following. I'm going to talk to the husbands first, and then I'll talk to the wives second. So wives, you can just tune out at this point. Um, we are called to do the following. We are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ set this ultimate bar of what it means to love. Okay? And interestingly enough, what we see in scripture is that as Christ loved the church, gave himself completely up for the church, died for the church, we are called to do the same thing. This self-sacrificing love, laying down our life for our wives. Not living selfishly, but helping her to be a better person, supporting her, encouraging her, challenging her to be all that she can, serving her as Christ does the church. This whole aspect of just is, if we look at the scripture, how does Christ interact with the church? That's our job with our wives. Caring for them, looking after them, helping, supporting, being self-sacrificing, giving everything you've got for them. Laying down your life for your wife. That's what real manhood is all about. It's about being there for them. Just as Christ is for us. Loving, he said, the second thing is loving our wives as our own bodies. Caring for and nurturing. You know, I think, I hope all of us would care for our own bodies. But God says, you know, the, the, the wife that I've joined to you is you. You need to love them as it's you. And so what does that mean in practical terms? It means we don't disrespect our own body, but we look after, we look after them. We don't look at other women. We, we don't make rude comments. We don't belittle them. We, 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 we lift them up as they're our own. We stand with them. They are to be treated like the queens of our homes, honored and respected and eyes only for them. You know what, guys, we have a a high standard that Jesus has put in place. The ultimate standard of what it means to love. And when we look at loving our wives, he he calls us to love them in a way that we we look at them and it's only them. And we love them as if if it's our own flesh caring for it. But then we have this third bit, and and I've done it in this particular order, because I think in some churches even, it's kind of got misconstrued, because the whole passage talks about the the husband is head of the wife. And sometimes, even in the church world, that it's been misconstrued that somehow the, the, the husband is this dominant figure in the home, and what my way goes. Whoa! Right? Okay. Donna's family. Okay, this true story. You can ask Donna later. She grew up, her, her dad, uh, you know, when they first got Christian, became Christian, they, they went to a church that taught this kind of theology, or this, not theology, this kind of doctrine that the husband is, is the, 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 the head honcho, right? And, and they would go to church and this kind of doctrine was in, indoctrinating my, my, my father-in-law. And uh, what would happen at home is he would, he would do what he wanted to do and it was his way or the highway. And he disrespected Donna's mom and was rude and was belittling and said things that were just ignorant. And why? Because he was the head of the home. Well, the problem is, is that we need to love as Christ loved the church. Now Christ is the head of the church, but do we hear, you know, uh, the prophetic words that come from Jesus to say, you are ugly, church. 
You're good for nothing. Why did I ever choose you? No, we don't hear words prophetically from God saying that, right? We hear words of encouragement and edification. Why? Because He loves us. And to be the head of the home is not to be someone who is got a status that um, is greater than your wife, but actually it's just a role that God has called you to. God views us each as equal, right? There's no other male or female. There's no slave or, or, or free person in God's sight. We're all equal, but we have different roles. Again, Christ has given us an example. Christ is not a dictator of the church, right? Rather, He comes as a servant of the church. And I share this even in, in a sense of leadership. Leadership of the church is not, uh, we are now in control, Let's listen to us. But no, we are the servants of the church. The further you go up in leadership, the more you're serving the body. And the same thing goes at home, is actually, as husbands, what does it mean to be ahead? It means you are the servant of the house. You are the one who cares as Christ cares for the church. So what does it mean to be the head as a husband plays an important part in setting the tone and the atmosphere of the home? It's amazing when a dad gets on fire for Jesus, how it can affect the home probably more so than even when the wife does. Why? Because there's something God just puts a mantle on a man in a home, not because they're any greater or any less, but it's just different. And when, when a man says, you know what, guys, as a family, we're going to serve the Lord. It sets a tone in the home. It's interesting that the number of, you know, statistically, when a man gets saved first, how quickly a family will come to Christ. It's a slower process the other way around. Doesn't mean it's not possible. Of course it is possible. But there's something about the mantle that God puts on a man. So what is it? What's important as a man? Men in this room who've got families or will have families in the future or will have wives in the future. Is you can set the tone of, you know, we are going to pray together as a family. I'm going to pray with my wife. I'm going to choose to do that. I'm not going to let her always say, you know, honey, can we pray about this? I will set the tone and say, yeah, we're going to pray. God is important. We're going to serve Him. It's doing devotionals. It's showing love. It's praying for your family. It's giving the spiritual and physical leadership in the home. So many Christian families leave it to their wives to do this. As if they're more in tune. Man, wake up. This is our job. In the mornings, in the week, is our job to, to set the spiritual tone in our home. It isn't up to our wives to be super spiritual and we just come along to church with them. Guys, we need to man up and take that role, that mantle that God has called us to. To get our heads in the game. Because God has given us a responsibility that one day we have to give an account for. Do you know, when a husband, which then becomes at some point some, a father, when he demonstrates what just real love is in a home, what, real, what it means to be spiritually fervent in a home, do you know, it, it plays in a part, a big part upon the children. Again, marriage can find harmony when both members find their God-given roles. And on a practical level... I think, and these are, these are my own feelings, you can wipe this out. This is like what Paul says, you know, this is not what God's saying, but this is what I'm saying. And so this is what I'm saying, okay, is that love still needs to be expressed. I think God would say this as well. Husbands, we, we need to express love. It's not through osmosis that our wives know that we love them. Well, I ate her cooking. Obviously, she knows I love her. No, she needs to know that you you love her. You need to say it over and over and over again. She needs to hear those words, I love you. 
Surprise her with flowers once in a while or something else that she may enjoy. Even a little bit of chocolate. You know what? I, I think most women like to know that they were thought of. And something you went out of your way to do something for them. You know, yes, we, we see young couples when they're courting and, oh, the gifts will come in. And I, I must enjoy, you know, Giovanni will come to the church with these gifts. Not for me. I don't know. She, he doesn't think about me, but he'll bring things for Hannah. And I think that's really great. You know, chocolates, but not for me, but for her. Um, I've questioned that, why he hasn't thought about me as well. Um, but the point is, is that, you know, in that young love, you, you do those things because you want her to really be appreciated. But somewhere around year number 15, you just kind of think those aren't things aren't important anymore. Well, they are actually. Again, you, you need to work at it. You need to bring the flowers. You need to go out of your way to, to make her know that she's still special. Do you think Jesus gives good gifts to the church? Yes. In fact, we see scripture. He gave the Holy Spirit. He has good and perfect gifts for us. And he continues to give us good gifts. Why? Because he loves us. Guys, Jesus is the example. If Jesus can continue to give good gifts to us as a church, you guys can man up and give good gifts to your wives. And again, I think it's important as children watch, if a dad does not give any gifts to his wife, Valentine's Day means nothing. Okay, I know it's an overly commercialized event, but nonetheless, there's an opportunity there to demonstrate still love in the home. You know, if Christmas and birthdays, all of these things are, wow, we don't do that anymore. You know what, kids look at that and say, you know what, mom is not valued in that way. Kids see that, they pick it up. And again, I, can I just say, this is me talking Maybe inspired a little bit by the Holy Spirit. But you know what, guys, we need to be part of it. We need to be showing that we, we have affection because Jesus gives gifts. We give gifts. Women need to know, and as do men, you know, that they're special, that they're beautiful. That you have eyes only for them, that you display this affection towards her. You do the things that she requests of, to be done. If it's taking out the rubbish, you do it. If it's fixing that thing that's broken in the house, you do it. Why? Because not because you have to do it, but because you love her and you want to please her. Does this make sense? Okay. When men are leading and loving their wives as Christ is the church, the wives' role becomes so much easier to fulfill. Okay? It's so much easier to fulfill, you know, when someone is loving and giving and caring and, and showing affection and all these things, you know what, then when we read the verses to the wives, it actually becomes, it's a course. Why wouldn't you? And so, unfortunately, it's kind of written in a, a bit of a different way, right? It starts off with wives submitting. I think it should have been better that verse at the very end. But that's just me. Paul could write it, I guess, how he pleased. But what is the wives' role? There's only two things mentioned to the wives in this whole passage. One is submitting and one is respecting. And uh, what it, this whole understanding of, of, of submitting can be also misconstrued. What does it mean to submit? And a great definition I came across, this submission is one of a role and not status, which I've mentioned earlier. It is the wife willingly and rationally responding to the husband's love. Willingly and rationally responding to love. How do we submit to Christ? We respond to His love. Right? We submit to it. We come underneath His love. We say, do you know what, God, I give you, I, I respond to that, I submit to that. It's not hard work. It is not like, oh, I have to give way to Him. No, it's, God love. He's given everything for me. So of course I'm going to respond in love. That's the only rational thing I could do. 
Now, as husbands, if we're loving in this way, then of course it's easy to just, you know, I'm going to respond to this. Conflict comes when two people remain in this place of needing to be in the driver's seat. And harmony comes when each role is given, is taken as God has given them to be. And I believe decisions, I, I, you know, there is not a decision that affects us as a family that I do not share with Donna. I don't believe, you know, it's my way or the highway kind of thought process. If Donna does not feel right about something, I, you know, when, in my younger years, I would just move ahead. I realize that often women, you're pretty smart. <laughs> not just pretty smart. If you really feel something, man, guys, wake up. Uh, sometimes they got a sensation. They got something going on, some discernment that, man, we just don't sometimes see. And we need, that's why they're, they're helping us. They're, they're part of the journey with us. We need to listen to their voice. And so I believe that there's times and decisions, you know, we, we, we share that together. But there are, sometimes there's moments when you might not see things from the same perspective. And someone has to give way. And in those moments, it's important to understand. If God has spoken to your husband, then please listen to him. In the same way, husbands, if your wives, God has spoken, you need to really go to God in here as well. What you're saying and giving way to the other is saying in your actions that I'm willing to trust and surrender to your love, even though I may not see it from your perspective. You know, there are times when God says, trust me, even though you don't see it, his perspective, and you just have to give way to that. That's what it means to submit. And again, this is not a bad word, it's a good word. God calls us to submit to one another. And that's why, man, we're not off the hook completely because, again, we're called to submit as well. But on this, this side of submitting, you know, there's a, there's a great verse in the Bible. In, in uh, Proverbs 21.9, it says this. It says, it's better to live, better to dwell in the corner of a house. That's expo- and this is the Amplified. This is, they really amplify it. Exposed to all kinds of weather. Then in a house shared with a nagging, quarrelsome, fault-finding woman. Going to read that again. It's better to dwell in the corner of a house exposed to all kinds of weather than, than in a house shared with a nagging, quarrelsome, fault-finding woman. Now, Solomon, who wrote this, and he wrote lots of... You know, there's a lot of these kind of verses. Now, it was his mistake to have married so many wives. <laughs> and it works its way out in Scripture saying, all right, now maybe he just kind of didn't like one and just moved on to another, which is not the way to do it, guys. But here we have this, this call to submit, but then we also have this call to respect. And to respect is to hold esteem or honor, to show consideration for. Just as you are to be treated as, as the queen of your home, he's also to be treated as the king of your home. To uphold him, to speak well of him, to encourage him, to build him up. To not be the person who tears them down every time you get in the door of what they're not doing quite right. But be the one that praises them. To encourage them. Just as you uh, as a husband are to encourage your wife. As a wife you are to be there to, to stand with them. To, to respect them. I've heard often wives just speak so negatively about their husbands. With their friends or in other contexts. Or even with, with them present. Do you know what? God doesn't like that. Can I just say that? God doesn't like that. He calls us to respect. And again I think it's a two way street. As husbands you're called to love and to respect. But as wives the same thing goes. We are to love and to respect one another. And so on a practical level, it's, it's, uh, 
He's telling them that you're proud of who he is. You're thanking him for his hard work. You know, Don has done some of these things in my own life. You know, writing a love letter and popping it in his lunch. You know, those sorts of things where, you know, again, I'm thought of in her eyes. It, It builds me up. Finding his love language and speaking it. How do you communicate love to him? What's his love language? Giving praise instead of criticism. Showing interest something that he is interested in. You know, um, as many of you know, it doesn't really come as a surprise now. You know, I, I enjoy motorcycles. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do. And, uh, and you know what I, what I've appreciated about Donna is that over the years, you know, she puts on the helmet and she goes on the bike with me. And, uh, I know it's probably not the thing that she dreams about doing, but, uh, she, she does it because she wants to be with me and she wants to enjoy something that I enjoy. And to me, I think that's, that's what it means to, 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 to come alongside me and to be part of my world. Yes, I do the things that she also enjoys. Um, but not quite as willingly, probably. Uh, she enjoys shopping, and I do think it's best if she does that alone. Um, <laughs> somehow, I can't stop the blood draining from my face when I stop into a shop and she starts looking at clothes, because it's just challenging for me to still stay excited about this experience. So we have learnt, and I'm so grateful that we have two children, and Dawn, or Annalise, actually she does love shopping, and so I feel I got a little bit of an out. But nonetheless, if the duty, if it called for that, I will go where she calls me to go. I will stand in the queues of the shopping lines. I will do it. As a couple, as a couple, you will get out of your marriage what you put into it. And people I've heard often said, you know, I, we, we just, one day we just realized we didn't love each other anymore. You know what? It doesn't just happen. You don't just happen to have an affair. You don't just happen to divorce your wife. You don't just happen to do, it, it happens over time when you still, you just, you're trying to withdraw from something. You've never put anything into it. And so over time, you've got to keep putting things in because what happens is, is as you journey on in life, you start to withdraw from this great rich bank account. And I was so blessed the last time I visited with Andrew and Ann Parfit, and they were expressing how more in love they are with each other now than they have ever been. And I just thought, you know, they've been reading their love letters they wrote when they were courting, and, you know, they came to our, our, our house after they shared with us a, a few weeks back. And uh, a half of our conversation was them recounting their love story, and just, and they were looking, and I, th- I just thought, should we leave the room? <laughs> But here's a couple who've been married for, I don't know, 50 years or more, and they just love each other. And they said, and they said you know, it's, we're more in love now. And I really just felt almost awkward to be there. Um, but they've deposited things over their lives, and now they're withdrawing from something that's rich. Guys, this is what blessing is. This is what God has intended, but it doesn't just happen. And so, just as some final thoughts as I close is we need to prioritize our life. God first, ultimately. Dawn is not above my relationship with God. God is first. That's why if I'm seeking after God, and then I'm loving my wife, it, it works in harmony. But at the point that my wife becomes, or my spouse becomes more important than God, it all goes pear-shaped. 
Right? We've got to be tapped into the source. But then everything else has to follow after that. Your work is not more important than your wife or your, or your husband. Your, your other relationships, your children are not important than your, your relationship with your spouse. There's nothing in this world outside your relationship with God that's more important than the person that God has made you one with. And at the point that there's things in your life that become more important than your spouse, you're in danger territory. There's many people who've gained the riches of the world but lost everything. And it's not worth it, guys. It really is not worth it. And so we prioritize our life. I do believe in the value of praying together. God is joining together, so why not pray together? Why not spend a bit of time every week and just pray together? Plan time to be alone, to let your love develop. I do think it's important to still romance and spend time that you focus. We're going to go out for a meal. We're going to do the things that we just love to do as a, as a couple. If you've got kids, then get a babysitter. Go on a date. Do the things. You know, every time, you know, uh, even financially when we've gone through difficult times and I thought, oh, should we really spend money on a meal out? Do you know what? I feel it's an investment. To go out for a meal is an investment into that relationship. It's probably more important than a lot of the bills that you're spending. And I'm not saying that just eat out all the time if you can't afford it because that's just stupid. But it's an investment saying, you know what? It's more important than maybe something else I would otherwise do with that money to invest in this relationship. Plan a weekend away. Plan a time away. A lot of couples, the kids leave home and they don't know each other. Because for 18, 20 years, their life was built around their children. The children leave home and they don't have, they don't have this relationship. Do you know what? You need to work at it, even when the kids are little. Be open with one another. Build a, a marriage that's based upon truth and, and transparency. I, I really, it saddens my heart when I hear, especially wives, and guys, this is probably a challenge for us, is to be open about your feelings. Do I have feelings? I don't know what that means. Well, you know what? You do have thoughts. And you know what? Wives need to know what you're thinking, what's going on in your head. And I, it saddens me when wives talk to me about husbands that are, were never open with them. Not open. Not, they don't know what's going on. What's happening. You know what? You can be open with your wife. And wives, maybe it's not as, a difficult, as difficult to be open with your husband. But you know, it's important that you build this transparency. You, you build a relationship that's completely transparent. And lastly, is being a, a couple that continually forgives one another. Because believe it or not, you, we all make mistakes. And anyone who's been married for a little while knows this is to be true. And we need to be quick to, be say, to say sorry, but we also need to be quick to forgive. Because anything that starts to build root of, of, of uh, a bitterness in a marriage, is you're on a path that's just going to lead to separation. You can't just build a, a resentment to the person you live with day after day. And when things are forgiven, when things are, when apologies are given, you know, it's important that they're not brought up again. But actually, things that are clearly are settled are stayed settled. And you don't pull it up for the next argument and rehash something that you thought you already dealt with. Because that just lives to a whole lifetime of, of unsettled business. So this, in closing, marriage is what we get. We get out of it what we put in. It's the whole principle of sowing and reaping. It's our choice to love. It's our choice to invest in the relationships that God gives us. And uh, I want to encourage you, um, again, for those who are married, for those 
maybe in the future you will be married. You know what? Invest into these relationships. And even for those who aren't married, the, the friendships you have around you, invest into those relationships. Why? Because it's not good for us to be alone. We need people. We need to take that time with people. If you do, there's a promise that we will get a great return on this investment in our lives. And when Jesus said, I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, you know, it includes our home life. I believe our home should be the sanctuary that all of us want to go at the end of the day. And not the place you try to avoid. Working extra hours. You know, trying to just put in time because you don't really want to be at the house. You know what? Make your home a place that, you know, you just, you just can't wait to get home at the end of the day. And I think if there's anything I've discovered now in my own life, you know, I don't like going on mission trips because I don't like being away from home. I don't like not being in that, that nest. It's, it's, it's in a special place for me. But I know I have to work at it because it can, it can be a, contain, it can be a contentious place as well if we're not careful. And so God has a plan in everyday, in everyday life. Everyday Christianity. It's in raising our kids. It's how we work. It's, it's how we have our relationship with our wives and our husbands. God wants us to live a life that's full of wonderful things. But it happens only when we do it God's way. It doesn't actually happen any other way. I know we've went over today. I do apologize for that. But I trust that God has stirred your heart a bit in some way. To be all that you can be in the relationships God has given you. Can you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.